All right, today we're going to look at uh, the Gospel of uh, Luke, a passage uh, from Luke. Of course, the Luke is written by Luke, all right? Um, a, a, a doctor, and um, the book can be divided into two parts. Luke chapter 1 to 18, Jesus came to seek the lost. And 19 to 24, Jesus came to save the lost. That also brings us to the key verse for this book. Many believe that this is the key verse uh, for the book of Luke, where it divides this, two, uh, this book into two. Um, allow me to read to you. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that was lost. Now, the truth is this. Jesus did not just come to save us. He saved us so that He can redeem for us our authority as priests and kings on earth, our spiritual inheritance, and even our relationship with God. What was lost and not only so, not just to save us, but so that we can become more and more like Jesus, seeking to save those who are lost. Of course, we wouldn't die on the cross for them, but to proclaim to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the text for today. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. With that, allow me to read to you. As they were going along the route, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you may go. And Jesus says to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, Follow me, follow me. But he said to Jesus, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave, leave the dead to be buried their own date. But as for you, go. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another, to another he said, I will follow you, Lord. You know, another will say, I will follow you, Lord. You know, but please let me first uh, say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who put his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Lord bless the reading of his words. Now the truth is, from this text, we can see that someone to another, yet another, Jesus then said to them as they turned to Jesus, they encountered Jesus. And one key word that appears again and again is this word, follow, follow. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? By knowing this, you then will tell us how then we can stay fit to serve in the kingdom of God. So this passage is not so much about salvation, but service. Not about deliverance, but discipleship. That brings us to the first point for the day. In order to follow Jesus, we need to remember that there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. Look at the text again. He says that, you know, this man come to Jesus and say, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, after many miracles, many wanted to follow Jesus. In fact, Matthew chapter 8, verse 19 tells us this, that this man was actually a scribe. He was a scribe, all right? And he could be anyone, yet Jesus did not reject this man, rather redefine for him what does it mean to follow Jesus. You see, we need to know what we are in for before we join Jesus in discipleship. Jesus tells us that the foxes have holes, but the birds, and the birds of the air have nests. Whether it's on land or in the sky, 
They are homes that they can turn to, but not the Son of Man, Jesus Himself. Was Jesus really talking about a place to stay? I don't really think so. Why? Because Jesus could always go back to His mother, Mary, or His brothers. And the disciples, some of them are quite well-to-do, like Matthew. So I'm sure there are places where they can stay. So that was not the point that Jesus was trying to say about being homeless. So exactly what was Jesus trying to say? I believe Jesus was trying to say that if you want to follow me, you need to be, recognize that you, we will always be on the move. Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for that? For there is a price to pay if you want to follow Jesus and do it His way. Is it comfort or Christ? Is it convenience or Christ? Is it to be in control or let Christ be in full control? There is a price to pay to follow Jesus. I still remember about two years ago, a brother indicated that he wanted to serve you know, the young adults. It was then I texted him and uh, we connected. He said that let's meet up and I shared him that my schedule is packed for this week. So is it all right if you come to church because I have a wedding uh, a rehearsal and you know, there's some uh, pockets of time, you know, we can catch up. Uh, it was then he, he said, yeah, you know, he will, he will be there. He'll just let me know the time. And kindly, he, he came to church. But what I didn't know that is uh, he was having family, uh, having um, dinner with his family. So he brought his whole family, and um, a, a quite big family, all right, with six children. All right, not difficult to guess who is their brother. And then <laughs> he, he came with his children, and then after that, the wife was carrying the babies, and the children were running around. And I, I, I looked at him, I felt so bad. I said, I didn't know that you are with your family. And then, you know, uh, if, I, if I know that, I won't ask you to come. And this is what he said to me. Kogon, it's okay. This is how it works. One for all, all for one. <laughs> when I serve, my whole family will fall in together as one. It's a package. It comes as a package. Wow, I was so humbled by this dear brother. And after about two years, I'm so thankful for his service up to the Lord. And the truth is that he is not the only one. Because when I visited cell groups, I realized that they are... Um, young parents with young children and then they were just serving uh, the young adults and that the children are still very young but they're serving you know what um, at the end of the day what happened is that when the the parents um, tell the children as for me and my household we will serve the lord the children know what you are talking about because they have a picture in their mind that this is what it looks like as for me and my household we will serve the lord there is a price to pay. Not only so, um, because of uh, the circuit breaker, uh, we have the worship team you know, coming back to do rehearsal. There was one night I came, and I was just sitting at the back. I came about, about 9 o'clock, and I was just thinking that likely they will have finished, and then I can pray for them, or just bless them. But then I asked one of the brothers, uh, he shared with me that we have not even started. I said, what? You know, it's already nine. I see. So I asked him, what time do you finish? He said, maybe about um, 11, sometime 12. What? The next day, you know, you still need to work. It was then I realized that, you know, as I do my calculation, it makes sense. If you finish your work at about 6.30, you come to church about 7 plus. Then you have your dinner, and then you start your rehearsal. That is about maybe 8 o'clock, all right? So you rehearse, and then you practice, and maybe the first take will be at about 9 or 9.30. And then if the take is great, oh, great, we call it a day. But if, let's say, you know, it's not uh, satisfactory, then we have to do another one. 
it may hit all the way up to 12 o'clock. When I was sitting there looking at all my brothers and sisters serving, I cannot help but just to thank God. Because the truth is, many of them have young children. Many of them, the next day, they still need to work. Many of them have elderly parents. God bless them. God bless them. And not only so, of course, now you see the lights, you, see the, you can hear the sound. The truth is that those behind the console are serving you. Those ushers you know, and also the service team, they are serving you. For that, can you please join me to just appreciate them for the labour in the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The truth is this, church, there is a price to pay and it is worth it because Jesus is worthy of it all. Jesus is worthy of it all. I'll explain a little bit more later, but this is the first question I have for you today. And that is, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price to serve Jesus? Now, please understand, I'm not asking you to do more. I'm not asking you to do more. I'm not asking you to do lesser either. I'm asking you to do whatever that Jesus is asking you to do. Not more, not less, exactly what Jesus is asking you to do and pay the price for God honours those who honours Him. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor, I have so many commitments. No, I have work, I have family, young children, elderly parents, you know, I have ministry and then there's so many things on my plate. How do I proceed from here? That brings us to the second point for the day. Yes, we want to pay the price, but it is also a priority that we need to set. A boy was late for Sunday school. So the teacher asked him, what happened? And uh, the boy said, I was just negotiating with my father if I can go for fishing instead of coming to church. But my father insists that I must come to church. The teacher was so impressed with the father and said, great, so what did your father, did your father tell you why? He said, yes, he says that I cannot go because the boat can only take one more person for fishing. So he went. Priority. Children see, children do. We can say one thing, but values are caught more than taught. And in here, we can see that there is a priority issue where um, Jesus dialogue with this brother. To another, Jesus said, follow me. And then he said, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This time round, it's slightly different from the first one. The first one, the person wants to follow Jesus. But this person said, uh, um, but this time Jesus offered uh, by saying, you, follow me, you, follow me. Um, sadly, there was this word, but, but. The conjunction tells us that you know, there's a twist where the man says that, uh, but let me. Uh, in fact, there are some translations put it this way, permit me. He was asking for permission, asking God, you know, as the master, can you allow me to go back and first bury my father? Something was holding him back. You see, as I study this passage, I realized that there are actually three interpretations to this, you know, and allow me to just quickly share with you. The first is that the father just passed away that day, so he had to bury his father. The Jews would bury the, the date on the day itself because of the warm weather in Palestine. And it is religiously impure to keep the date. So, likely, he would have to bury the father on that day itself. So, that is the first interpretation. 
The second one is that the father has passed away from not, not, not a very long time, but within a year period. How do I know? You see, uh, the Jews have this uh, culture where they have a two-stage burial um, practice. After a person um, passed away, they would, they would just bury him, but um, it would let the body decompose. After one year, they would dig out the bones and rebury this, this uh, person in together with the ancestors. And that also gives them one year period for a season of mourning. So it could be between this um, one year period where this uh, brother is telling Jesus, Jesus, can you just let me go and bury my father the second time before I go and follow you? The third one um, is basically that the father was not dead yet. So he was asking, you know, Jesus, can you just let me take care of my father first? After you know, his death, then I will follow you. In other words, it's an infinite, indefinite delay to answer the call. So there are three interpretations. The text is not very clear. It could be any three, one of them. Some argue they're staying. And uh, if you ask me, I will choose to believe the third one. Yet, I think if we just focus on this, we miss the point. Because Jesus was trying to communicate something more important than bearing the day. The situation does not affect what Jesus was trying to communicate. Jesus was not saying that this is right, do this. This is wrong, don't do this. This is honouring, do this. This is dishonouring, so don't do this. Because religiously, socially, theologically, it is our obligation to do what is right for our family, to take care of our loved ones, especially if they have passed away. In fact, it's so important in the Jewish culture that the burial of the dead take precedence over the study of the Word of God, the temple worship, the Passover sacrifice, even circumcision. So what was Jesus trying to say? In other words, it is not that there is no need to care for your loved ones. Just follow me. I believe the principle is priority. What is more important to you? What is more important to you? How do we know that? Look at another translation. It says, Jesus said to this man, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Of course, it's not talking about, you know, the person died already, then he get up himself and then he buried himself. Okay, that's, that's not what he was trying to say. You know, so what was he trying to say? I think Jesus is saying that let those who have no spiritual insight to know that what is more important to go and bury the person physically. What is the insight that Jesus wants us to see? Another translation put it this way. The Message Bible says, First things first, your business is life, not death. And life is urgent, so announce God's kingdom. Death versus life. Temporal versus eternal. Physical versus spiritual. Choose wisely. Go back to your priority. What's first Next time you study the Bible, when you see this word first, highlight it, circle it, underline it, because it tells us what is important to God. For example, you know, take out the look from your eyes so that first, so that you can take out the speck of your brother's eyes. First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When you see the word first, it talks about priority. So again, my brothers and sisters, what is important to you? You are here today because 
Coming to church is important. Coming to church is important. How about your quiet time? How about serving God? How about the Great Commission? Discipling the next generation. I was just looking through my journals, and uh, because I did it in an Excel file, so I can do a quick search, and I looked for this word priority, and this is what I found, and I would like to share with you uh, from this, in these slides that the seventh lesson I learned about priority, and hopefully um, that will be helpful for you. I learned that whether it's true godly, uh, from godly men or whether it's it, um, um, <clears throat> from this book. The first one is when it comes to priority, we make time for what is important to us. If exercise is important, you will be exercising. If doing quiet time is important, of course you will be doing your quiet time. So we make time for what is important. If we have no time for that, that tells us that this is actually not very important to us. We make time for what is important, and priority is often measured both by quality and quantity. Again, what do I mean? Sometimes I say that, you know what, you're so important to me, you know, I have five minutes, let me spend time with you, just five minutes, quality time. But the truth is that sometimes quality comes with quantity. I just spent some time with my children this holiday, took leave, you know, just to spend time with them because they are important to me. Priority determines what goes into our calendar first. Now, I need to clarify, you know, quantity doesn't mean that if you sleep eight hours a day, or maybe six hours, okay, as good as those who are sleeping uh, during services, right? so you sleep eight hours a day, then that doesn't mean that if quiet time is more important, you spend nine hours with God. It doesn't work this way. Correct, nah? All right, so then how does it work? It works this way. Priority determines what goes into our calendar first. If God comes first, God is there first, and no one take it up. And when you fill up your whole calendar, then there are still things to do. What does that tell you? This task just have to wait because that is not your priority for this season of your life. And the truth is also this. It is not what you plan. It's what you do with your planned calendar that reveals your priorities. Make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, I have a calendar, but I don't follow it. Then it's as good as you don't have one. Follow it if the Lord has directed you. And be very careful because what is pushed out of our calendar, calendar is often what people do not see. You can see that I'm doing, I'm, I'm preaching now. Can you see that? I, I, I presume you can see that I'm preaching now. So this is what people can see. So this is important. If I don't turn up, everybody will know. But do you know, do you know if I've done my quiet time today? You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. So there's something that we need to just bear in mind. What is being pushed out of our calendar is often what people do not see. And finally, let me just close with this. Let God get into our calendar first before others do. God must get into our calendar first. Whatever that is there must be of the Lord. And come to God and say, God, this is my calendar. Fill it up according to your direction. As you direct. So my brothers and sisters, what are the priorities that you need to set and reset today? I hope that you have your calendar in mind right now, just in front of you. Just imagine what a priority you need to set and reset. Think about it. Think about it. Are there some important people in your life that you need to spend a little bit more time with? 
I just came back from a staycation with my family. And the first thing I did was I tell my wife, I say I miss my parents. And um, that's what I did. Just buy some chashu bao and uh, some um, komba bao. And then uh, <laughs> I just went, yeah, of course, uh, yeah, the chashu bao is quite nice. So I, I just <laughs> went. And what, what are the priorities you need to set and reset that help us to stay fit for the kingdom of God, what matters to God? Now, you may say that, okay, I've decided to pay the price. I will set my priority, right? But pastor, uh, there's a problem. It doesn't last for long. It doesn't last for long because there's one more thing that you may want to do and that is to set, and that is you must recognize there's a posture to take. A story was told of um, you know, this teacher who sent uh, this naughty boy you know, to the discipline master every day of the week. And then uh, this is why he said, you know, I sent you to the discipline master you know, from Monday to Friday. Is that what you want? And then the boy said, uh, no, um, that's not what I want. So now, you know, after going to the discipline master every day, what do you have to say for yourself? And this is what the boy said, I'm so glad that tomorrow is Saturday. It's not learning. It's not learning you know, his lesson because the posture inside is important. I, you can stand right in front of the discipline master, but the posture inside is important. And from then, Jesus concluded um, this by saying that um, to this man who said, I want to follow you. Jesus then said, you know, yeah, you can, but um, this man then said, that, let me first go and say farewell, say goodbye you know, to those at home. Then Jesus replied, no one who put his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The difference between the, first, um, the two requests and this you know, is not just in terms of how it was presented, but the duration as well is getting shorter. By saying farewell, it's just some um, minutes or perhaps even just an hour or so. And many believe that um, this person might have this in mind where Elijah called Elisha and, uh, to follow him. And Elisha uh, told him, can I just go back and say f- uh, farewell to my uh, family? And Elijah said, please go ahead. So um, this person might have, have that in mind when he talked to Jesus, but yet Jesus said, no, not even goodbye. What? That doesn't sound very reasonable. The word look back has something more that we may need to just understand. Let me just demonstrate for you. You see, when we say look back, this is how I look. But when the Bible in this passage talks about looking back, he's talking about looking back with something in mind, in focus. He's looking for something and that something is holding the person back. There's something that's holding the person back. It's not just looking back, but looking at something that is holding him back to follow Jesus. And Jesus then continued to give us a picture of a farmer who was guiding his oxen in plowing the land. With that, let me share a little bit more with you. You see, a farmer, usually on his left hand will be the plow uh, that looks something... uh, like that, and then of course, the other one is a goat. So, we don't use it at home. I'm sure you don't have this at home as well. You know, so the plow, how does it work? There are two beans that join together, and the, the on one hand is actually hooked 
to a yoke that will put will be put on the oxen. And the other side is fastened with a cross piece where the upper part of it will serve as a handle for um, the farmer. And the other one is actually an iron plow that will just then plow the lane. Alright, so, so just imagine there are two oxen here. Alright, on one hand of the plow is connected to this uh, yoke that is actually placed on the uh, oxen and on my side is actually a handle to help me to just uh, guide um, the oxen and the below there was this iron plow that just continued to plow the land then what is this goat um, for this goat is actually a five to seven feet long uh, stick with a um, sharp point at the end to just poke the, the, the oxen in case you know they, 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 they are too slow or they are, they are going out of the way and then the farmer can just guide them along. Can you imagine that? Or I understand that it's not easy, yeah, because the vegetables that we see are only those in NTUC. Yeah, so, so just try to imagine, all right? So the person is trying to just um, make sure that the oxen, you know, uh, uh, um, was doing their, their work. Uh, perhaps the idea is this. If the farmer keep looking back, keep looking back, then whatever that he's ploughing would not be straight. Then he had to do it all over again. Maybe for us, it's like driving, or for those who cycle, you can't always be looking back, look back, look back. It's dangerous, kind of. All right, for those who are driving, usually we look back uh, because we're scolding our children, or, or maybe our wife is scolding us. All right, so <laughs> then we look back. Yeah, what's happening? If not, then we just look at the rear, me- uh, rear, me- uh, rear me- the me- mirror or the side mirror, and then we, we, we should just keep at it, you know, look in front and then drive safely. And of course, hopefully, you're not looking at your handphones. All right, so make sure you drive safely. So that is the picture that Jesus gave to this person saying that don't look back. Don't look back at the something that is holding you back. Now, church, the question I have for you is this. Are you still looking back? Well, let, let me just share something that a little bit more personal uh, today as the Lord leads me. You see, many of uh, you might uh, be aware that I have um, just left school about a year ago and joined uh, church full-time. And uh, I must say that I love school, yeah, because the truth is, uh, it's my ambition to be a teacher. And uh, I love my students and my uh, colleagues, my ex-colleagues. And of course, I love my colleagues as well. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I love uh, my ex-colleagues. And, uh, and, and so the, the truth is that, yeah, I miss school. Yeah, and someone asked me, how has it been, you know, for you uh, serving in church? Uh, I want to say that, ah, I'm just filled with the joy of the Lord, you know. I want to say that, but the truth Sometimes when you look at the situation, I look at uh, broken hearts, broken lives, broken family, broken marriages, it's very difficult to say that, oh, I'm just so happy to see all this. I'm not. It breaks my heart. So sometimes I would say that, God, do you call me? Do you really call me? You know? and, and there are times I just like, maybe I, you know, maybe I hear wrongly, and, but often than not, they will sing this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Every time this comes to my mind, you know, they, somehow the worship team will be singing this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. And when I just sat there and then think about it, the song got nothing to do with the message. You know? So why do keep singing this song? It then dawned upon me that the Lord is also tutoring me that Kogwan stop looking back. No turning back. Just 
focus and then just serve as the Lord leads me. Now you may say that, wow, uh, now you have a price to pay and then you need to set your priorities, you need to make sure your posture is right. Wow, actually not easy to follow Jesus. Not easy to be a Christian until we realize that these three um, principles is based on one key principles from this text and that is it is a privilege to serve the king it is a privilege to serve the king if not the price will be too costly you know to set the priority doesn't make sense the posture becomes so unreasonable until we know that these three principles fall on this foundation to recognize that it is a privilege to serve the king of kings and the lord of lords Oswald Chambers put it this way, it never costs a disciple anything to follow Jesus. Really, it doesn't cost you anything because to talk about cost with someone you have fallen in love with, Jesus is an insult. Jesus, I give you 30%. Better be happy. Jesus, I give you two hours a week. Better be thankful. This is not how it works because it's a privilege to serve the king. How does it work? The truth is this, church. Jesus paid the price. He, he's not saying to the disciples, you know, when he says that, you follow me, what Jesus was trying to say is that, I will pay the price. I will pay the price to die for you on the cross, so you follow me. I will pay the price, but you follow me. And Jesus said it as a priority, Right from the start, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the seed will crush Satan's head. The seed of the woman will crush Satan's head. At the back of Jesus' mind, at the back of God's mind, is already, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for the world. It was a priority that set right from the beginning in Genesis, and Jesus never looked back. His eyes is on the cross. His eyes is on the cross because his heart is for the world. The world that is dying. Jesus paid the price. He set it as his priority and he never looked back with a posture that's pleasing to the Father. This is the kind of king that we are serving. So it is a privilege to serve the king. Don't miss this when Jesus says, follow me. He's talking about, this is what I'm going to do for you. Go and do likewise. The story did not end here because the truth is that there's the fourth group that are actually in this picture. Oh, really? There are the, another group there? People who are watching when Jesus was talking to them. How do I know? Because Luke chapter 10, verse 1, the next verse tells us this. After this, after what? After talking to these three individuals, you know, the Lord anointed 72 others and sent them ahead of them two by two into every town, the place where he himself was about to go. In other words, there were 72 of them who were ready to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. They went to proclaim the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? However, it's quite sad because the next verse tells us this. Jesus then said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray. Church, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers. 
even today, I must say that there are people who are serving, which I already shared with you earlier, but the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are still very few. What is God saying to you? Or what has God been saying to you? Church, the people are dying spiritually. We cannot come to church and say, what is it for me? What can the church do for me? Oh, it doesn't work, I change church. It doesn't work, I change cell group. It doesn't work, I just change. It's not about what is it for me, but what is it that God wants me to do for the church because it is not about the church, it's just about God. And not only so, we are the church. We are the church. We need to do something. With that, again, I want to ask you these questions. Are you still looking back or are you looking forward to what God is going to do when you say, yes, Lord, let me be one of the 72 who will follow you. With that, let me close with a story. You see, Gladys May Elwood was a British missionary. God has laid upon her heart when she was young to be a missionary to the Chinese in China. It was then that she picked up uh, this language, um, Mandarin. But somehow, you know, she's not very um, good with language, not very good with uh, words. So she kept, she kept failing. And in fact, she, um, she enrolled in the OMF, Overseas Missionary Fellowship. And she took the test, believing that God w- w- would help her because God has laid upon her heart China. Uh, yet, she failed again. In fact, uh, the, the staff then shared with her that you know, perhaps um, you should stop wasting your time and money. She was very discouraged. It was then she started to ask people, you know, those that she thought that may be smarter than her, to go, to go, to go China. But many of them just turned, them, turned her down. It was then God sent an old missionary couple to encourage her, to say, if God has spoken to you, just go. And that's what she did. She just took um, all that she had and her saving and began her 8,000-kilometer journey to China. During the trip, she was almost raped. And then after that, there was an officer who tried to keep her, her passport so that she could um, just be there to serve. Yes. So she tried to learn Chinese, but it didn't work. And it was then that um, she finally landed in China, but with very little but God provided for her because the, at that time, the, the government were, were, was uh, employing people to share about um, what we call San Chun Jinglin. I don't know whether you know this or not. Right? Last time, you know, they have this, what we call the food inspector. Okay, not the food that you, 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 you eat, all right? I'm talking about the food, all right? So uh, the food ins- uh, ins- inspector, what uh, this inspector would do is to just um, educate the girls to say that and this is not the way to, to go. They believe that if your feet are very small, then you will be very uh, pretty, you know, somehow. Okay, so, and just nice Gladys' uh, feet are, are quite big, you know, so when she shared that, you know, that can be more convincing. And um, it was then she took up the job and God provided for her. Now she has some earning. And then she asked um, the person in charge, is it okay for me uh, to share what I believe? You know, of course, she didn't say the gospel. But then the guy said, you know, I don't care what you say. You know, you just uh, do whatever you want. She take it as like, oh, it's a green light. You know, she started to share the gospel. And many of them came to know Jesus. In fact, there was this beggar who brought uh, her daughter and, and said that I have no money. So can, can I just sell her to you? 
out of compassion, Gladys gave her some money and then after that uh, adopted the girl. And news travel, people got to know about it, wow, one after the other, one after the other. And then they just bring the homeless children to her. The truth is this, many of them are girls. Why? Because in China, in those days, boys are more valued than bo- are the girls. So when you have a, a, a daughter, you know, they, they would sometimes give away and she, she just adopted them. There were about 100 of them. So things were going on quite well. Unfortunately, a war broke up. Japan, a Japanese invaded China and then it was then, um, what happened is that Gladys tried to, tried to help the Chinese, the Japanese was not very happy, so wanted to kill her. It then it dawned upon her that it was no longer safe for the children to stay around. She just uh, told the children, okay, we're going to go you know, um, across the Yellow River because what happened is that she got to know that across the, the Yellow River, there was this uh, female leader who um, had this shelter for the Chinese. And this is what uh, she, the Lord has laid upon her heart. So she told the children, this is what you're going to do. Take a bowl, take uh, some chopsticks, and then I'll take your chopsticks, your towel, and some clothing, and we will go, and God will provide for us. And then they, she just brought all the hundred children with her and uh, along the way God provided the soldiers saw what happened and then give the ration uh, just to these little children and even there was a Buddhist monk who actually uh, put them in the shelter and said it's okay you can stay in the temple and they, they would, and at the Yellow River you know how are we going to cross the Yellow River then there was an officer there and saw what happened out of compassion he ordered boats to just send all these children and Gladys across the Yellow River and after one month they reached the shelter but um, of course uh, unfortunately Gladys developed high fever she, she, she was well after then but not even one child was lost she continued to minister to the refugees and um, the young and the old and after that um, after serving there 17 years you know, and the war was over, there was a new government who got to know what she was doing and denied her entry and uh, asked her to leave. She then settled down in Taiwan and uh, continued to raise funds for the missionaries in China. And she became famous before she passed away and she was interviewed. What an amazing story. But however, what inspired me is what she said at that interview. And with that, I want to share that with you. This is what she say when people ask, "Why did God choose you? You know, why, why, what is it that you have done?" And uh, Gladys said this: "I wasn't God's first choice. I guess you know. I, I don't know who it was. Maybe someone smarter, more good-looking, more obedient, more capable, better with words, likely Mandarin." I also don't know what happened, but maybe the person was not willing. So this is what she said to God. But God, here's my Bible. Here's my money. And here's me. Use me, God. Use me, God. And God looked down from heaven, saw me, and God said, She's willing. Use her. She's willing. You, sir. It gave us a picture of someone who paid the price. It gave us a picture of someone who has set her priority right from the start when God has laid upon her heart. China. 
Her posture is no turning back, no turning back, all the way. Why? Because it's a privilege to serve the King. So church, how about us? Are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to set it a priority to serve the King? To do whatever that God wants us to do. Not more, not less, but exactly what God has called us to do. It's our posture, right? Not turning back. Just focus on what God has called us to do. Recognizing that it is a privilege to serve the King. Jesus did it for you and for me. The disciples follow. Gladys did it as well. How about us? Will we stay fit by doing all this for the kingdom of God? So that when Jesus will die on the cross for us, and as we serve, we can truly say, our labor in the Lord is not in vain. And we can tell the world, why do you do this? Why do you do this? Because I'm willing. And God looked down from heaven and said, He, she is willing. Use her. Use him. It's a privilege to serve the King. Have that in your mind today and forevermore.